0: Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Clive Urker. Right, I just want to just want to go through a few scriptures this morning, uh, and and really just look at the kind of thing of hunger, hunger for God, and hungering after Him. Um, so. You can Psalm twenty-seven, four. Uh, we're just going to look at King David for a few minutes and just the heart that he had for the Lord. And everything starts with God, doesn't it? But everything that starts with God leads somewhere and goes out somewhere. So these scriptures have a bit of a progression to them. So. Psalm 27 verse 4, what does he say there? He says, one thing that I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek. Uh, The word seek there means morning by morning, day after day. So he's saying, this is what I seek. So this is like a constant desire that he has. He's He's not just seeking for a moment for something to happen. It's, the, it's like the, the position of his heart or the the, the, the decision in his heart that he's, he's set. That morning by morning and day after day, I wanna, I'm going to seek you. And then the next part of the verse says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I may dwell. And, and the word dwell there means to be with, to be at one with to be married to. So he's speaking about an intimacy and a, and a closeness, a oneness here in his desire to seek the Lord. So I may dwell, I may be at one with, like I'm married to you. I'm so at one with you in your house all the days of my life. So that we see again this, this, this constant desire, not just looking for a moment, where God does something, but he's, he's, he's talking about relationship, this ongoing pursuit of God, ongoing desire to know him, to discover more of him, and for God to reveal more of who he is to him. And then he says in the next line, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And the word gaze there, it means to behold uh, you know, sometimes when when we look at people, you know, you can look like somebody's kind of switched off and they're just gazing into nowhere. It's not that kind of gaze, you know, where you just switched off and you're, you know, like some of you might in the next few minutes if, I'm not, if I don't hurry up, you know, um, you know, it's not just a, a a kind of switched off gaze. It's like a beholding. It's like a captivation. It's like you're caught with you. Your attention is grabbed and. Some, the other things seem to have just um, faded away. You know when you get a photographer who takes a picture and the fir- the front part of the picture is so crystal clear and how it, they've managed then to, to blur the rest of the picture out. You know, I don't know how they do that, whether it's a filter or what it is, I don't know. Some of you photographers will know what that looks like. But in that kind of picture, the, the main purpose of the picture is crystal clear and everything else is kind of... You can't tell exactly what it is, and that's what's happening with David here. He's so he's 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 had he's obviously had or been having or an ongoing kind of basis been having encounters with God or going after God, and and he wants he wants to go on meeting with him in that way, and so he says, "I behold you." The phrase "gaze them" means actually to behold with pleasure. He's 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 captivated with the beauty. Of the Lord, so everything else is faded away. Nothing else seems to be in focus except who God is, and uh, and then He says uh, to to gaze, to behold upon uh, upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek Him in His temple. And that word "seek" there is a different word than earlier in that verse. The word "seek" here means to cultivate something. So earlier in the verse, the seek word means on a, on, a, on a kind of morning by morning, day after day, I'm going to go after you. But, but then there's this word seek, slightly different word, meaning the root is the same thing. It's an ongoing thing, but it really here it's talking about cultivating something in his life. I want to cultivate this relationship with the Father, with God. I want to cultivate being captivated with who he is. I want to cultivate going to that dwelling place to know him, to seek, seek him and to discover who he, who he is. And so in this, in this verse, just one little verse here, we pick up just the heart and the hunger that, that David has. And he's saying, there's one thing I ask of the Lord. He's not asking for lots of things. He's asking for one thing, that morning by morning, day after day, he wants to be at one with God all the days of his life, beholding him, being captivated him by his beauty and to cultivate this kind of relationship, to cultivate this kind of desire. Because David, David knew that if, um, if you don't cultivate that kind of thing, then other things captivate you and capture your, your desires. And then the verse we read a minute ago goes into Psalm 26 verse 8 where David then says, I love the house... Where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory or your weightiness dwells or abides, the word is is, remains there, where the weightiness of who you are remains. How could he have written a verse like that? He could have only written a verse like that because he discovered the reality of it in his life. You can't write something and express something if there isn't the reality of it. And, uh, and he's discovered here uh, the weightiness of God, a dwelling place, an abiding place, a remaining place. That's why he, he's like, I love the place, the house where you live. Because he wasn't after the presence of God, what he was after was to know God in his glory. Big difference. He wasn't after the presence of God. He didn't just want to be in God's presence. He wanted to know God in his glory. Because when, when you know God in his glory, that's when God reveals who he is. We could all say the presence of God. You can have a nice time of worship. You can have a good time of worship. And you say, wow, the presence of God is here. Well, that's great because it's just God. There's more of a tangible at that moment of God's here. God's here. But just because the presence of God's there doesn't mean people are going to get changed or they encounter God, you can be in the presence of God. Like you can, you can be in the, somebody said this ages ago, you can be in the presence of the Queen, but not necessarily meet her. You can be in the presence of the Queen, but you don't necessarily know her. And there's a big difference. And so we don't just want to be in the presence of God, we want to know him in his glory because that's when he reveals it. That's when we encounter God. That's when he meets with us. That's when something happens. And David obviously must have encountered God regularly maybe uh, in this way that it created such a hunger in him. It's like, God, I want to be in your waitingness. I want to be where you dwell, where you abide. I want to be in that place where you show me who you are where I'm changed by you, I'm captivated by you, I'm caught up with you. So we don't want to go after the presence of God. We want to, we want to know God in his glory. And uh, it doesn't mean the presence of God is not important. Of course it is. We want to honour the presence of God in our lives all the time because he's here, he's in us. But we don't, we don't just want to sing about the presence of God or just be in the presence of God. We want to know God in his glory. Then David kind of, in this next scripture, he moves from this personal hunger expression of these couple of verses that we've read, and now he wants to—he wants others to come into that same, let's use the word, experience of God. Uh, we don't want an emotional experience. We want an experiential reality to our relationship with God. And so he's experienced God. He he knows God. Something's happened to him, and he wants others to come <coughs> excuse me into that same experiential reality of God that he has. So with Psalm 132, verse seven, he then expresses it like this. He he says, Let us go to his dwelling place. So he, he's not just Speaking about his own expression here, he's now saying, hey, he's talking to his... I don't know who he's talking to there. He might be talking to his worship team. Uh, You know, he had a pretty big worship team, didn't he? Band, musicians, choir. He was probably talking to all the people he was leading, saying, hey, guys, come on, let us go together to his dwelling place. The word dwelling there means habitation, the place of habitation, the place where God inhabits, the place where he lives. Let us go to his place of habitation then he says here, let us worship at his footstool. And, and the word worship basically means to prostrate yourself. It means to humble yourself, but it means to prostrate, to, to, to fall on your face uh, in, in worship. And, you know, when, when God reveals himself to us, Quite often, our our response is, I can't stand up. I don't want to stand up. I don't even. I'm definitely not going to sit down. Uh, but I don't even want to stand. I, I want to kneel down. I want to. I want to go low, you know, because he's revealing who he is, and you're you find yourself responding, saying you want to bow, you want to go low or, on your knees, or you want to go on your face, because there's there's the, something of his weightiness. Something of who he is is beginning to be revealed. Something's beginning to happen in us. So our response is to to bow. And that particular word, worship, in this verse, as well as prostrate and humbling yourself or to revere the thing or the person that you're worshipping, the word worship there actually means to bow self down. It doesn't mean, it doesn't. it's not just physically I'm going to bow before God or lie prostrate. It's, it means to bow self, like your self-life, who you are as a person. It's like David's kind of saying here, hey guys, let's go and be in that place of habitation. Let's go and humble ourselves. Let's go to that place where we revere, where we fall prostrate, where we're bowing self down. Where we're laying everything before Him, and and in that verse it says, "Let us do that at His footstool." So we wanna we wanna come before Him and, and bow before Him, go as low as we can. We're going to His feet, you know. And in in the in this context here, the footstool is uh, in our minds. A footstool is a place that you put your feet up and uh, you're watching TV or you're reading a book or you're just chilling out or you need to take a few minutes and, and you get a footstool and you, you sit back in your chair and you put your feet up and you go, oh, that's great. And you, and you just relax. Well, footstool in the, here in this verse doesn't mean sit back and relax. Uh, footstool here is the, is the place where God rules and reigns. It's the place where God rises, where he stands it's the place where he begins to decree and command and release his purposes, so our our idea of a footstool is 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 chill out, you know take some time out god's footstool is where he stands and he speaks and he declares and so what is going on here he he's he's expressing his hunger and his desire to know God, to know him I love the place. Where you live, the place where your glory dwells. And, and let us go to that dwelling place together. Come on, guys, you know, let's go there together. Let's encounter him. But then he's, he also has a revelation. He understands something here that we, we want to bow low. We want to humble ourselves and we want to do that at his footstool. We want to submit everything because we want to know what he's saying, we want to know what he's thinking. We want to know what his commands are, what his decrees are. We want to know what his purpose is. And so that's why it's important the word worship there is bowing self down because we're submitting and surrendering everything of ourselves, our own thinking, our own desires, our own motives, our own this, that and the other. And, and we're bowing it all because we want to hear his voice. We want to know his heart. We want to know what He is saying. Everybody with me this morning? And, uh, and, and that's, it's a place of release. It's a place, actually, then of being sent. And and we see in in various stories in the Bible, don't we, where people had encounters with God, they they were undone, something of His holiness, or His glory was revealed, and people were a bit undone. And and and, uh, but it was in that place that then God spoke, they heard His voice, and that's when they then went and responded and did whatever they needed to do in relation to what God was was saying and so we see this this hunger this revelation this relationship he wanted others to be part of that and come into that and 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 the reality of it and then in psalm 85 verse 9 it says surely his salvation is near to those who fear him so so how do you cultivate a reverence and a fear of God you You make space to meet with him that's basically you know and you spend time with him and as he reveals who he is to you there's a there's a an honoring or a reverence or an awe of who God is that that develops and grows in your life that i you've probably had some of these in the same way as I have. Sometimes you have a particular encounter with God that really massively impacts you and it, and it feels like your walk with God has just taken a, a stride in some way because something's happened and, and you're a bit speechless. You don't know exactly how to put it into words or, or you're kind of, mm, God, you're doing something deep in me at this moment or in these few days or whatever it might be. And something's changing. There's that kind of life-impacting encounter that we have. But then also there's this ongoing relationship that we have where we grow in the fear of the Lord. We grow in a reverence of who God is. And that's because he continues to reveal who he is in our lives. But we we have to give space to that. And uh, and so he says here, he says, surely his salvation. The word salvation there means... um, deliverance, it, well, it means a number of things. It means deliverance, freedom. And this is uh, this is powerful, this one. It, it, the word salvation there means to be freed from the responsibility of guilt and shame. That's amazing. That's what God's salvation does. When somebody surrenders their life to him, when they give their life to him, it says, this is what happens. We are freed from... From the responsibility of guilt and shame. So before we repent of our sin, before somebody surrenders their life to God, we are responsible, we are carrying the responsibility of all the guilt and all the shame and everything else to do with sin that we that we are living with in our lives. And when we repent of our sin. And he forgives us. What he does, he removes that responsibility because it's no longer ours. He, he takes it upon himself, doesn't he, to deal with that, the guilt, the sin, the shame. And we are freed from that. And so he says, surely his salvation, all of that, this work, is near, is at hand to those who fear, to those who revere who, him. Why? So that his glory... His weightiness, that revealing of who He is, may dwell in the land, and the word "dwell" there means to stay permanently, to remain, to reside. So, this is why we we uh, there's a difference between the presence of God and the glory of God. Um. The presence of God is in our lives all the time because He's in us, and at times we're more aware of the presence of God than are others. Um, But God doesn't just want His presence to remain in the land; He says He wants His glory to remain. And why? Because. When his glory's there, he's revealing who he is. He's revealing who he is. He's revealing who he is. And so, why does he call us to be a people of his glory and not a people of his presence? <laughs> his presence lives in us because he's in us, he is present. He's a present reality in our lives. But we don't want to take the presence of God out. We do, Of course, we take the presence of God out into our lives because he's in us. But, we, but we're not releasing the presence of God. What God wants to do is to release his glory. He wants, to, he wants to release the revealed nature and character of who he is, the weightiness of who he is. It's when people met with him in his glory in the Bible, they were changed something happened, they were undone because God revealed the, the light, the magnificence, the holiness of, of who he is and therefore people, people were speechless, they hit the floor, they were as if they were dead because the glory of God is weighty. Have you ever, have you ever uh, either on your face before the Lord or when you've been prayed with at times and you might have gone out in the spirit or something's happened and you can't get off the floor, anybody ever had that? Few of you, most of us probably. You have time, and, and you literally you cannot. I've had a few of those, and you're on the floor, and and you're there, and you're so taken up with him, and you 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 you. I don't even know how to describe it really. It's it, you don't feel like this weight is just pressing on you, crushing you in that sense, but you, you can't move. And you try and lift your head up, and literally all the muscles in your in your neck are going, but your head's still t- on the floor. Anybody had that? And you can't, or you try and lift your your arm. And it won't, it won't go. Your head's going, your brain's going, lift your arm up. But nothing's happening. Anybody had that, right? And why? Because that's God pressing down. That's his weightiness coming upon you. And and so what are you doing at that moment? You surrender everything. You're giving in to God. And what is he doing? He's infusing himself. He's revealing himself. He's showing himself to us. And that's what he wants us to take out. to the world, the weightiness of of who he is. So it starts in the throne room, doesn't it? It starts with him, but it ends out here in this verse, salvation dwelling and remaining in the land. So the throne room, the encounters with, with God and knowing him in his glory is not disconnected with harvest. It's not disconnected with what he wants to do. It's all part of the same thing. Um. Let's just have a look at another uh, verse here. So in Isaiah 40, again, some of these are really well-known verses, aren't they? Isaiah 40, in relation to what we've just read, in that last scripture about his glory dwelling, remaining in the land, he says here, Comfort, this is 40 verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So this is God speaking to the people of Israel. In this, this is who is actually writing to, speaking to. It says in verse three, a voice of one calling. And then it says, In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley should be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground should become level, the rugged places are plain. And the glory, <laughs> and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, not the presence of the Lord, but the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. It's interesting how um, there's a a difference between presence and glory. Presence is felt, glory is seen. Presence is felt, glory is seen. So we don't just want to feel God. Yeah, he's here, he's around. We want to see him. We want to know him. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So everything in these verses here that Isaiah is speaking about is, is connected with, obviously, yes, the Israelites, Jewish people, coming into their salvation. Um, but he's talking about the glory of the Lord being re- and all mankind together will see it. Now it says, in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. So what is what is desert here in this kind of stuff? Desert is, is not abundance. Desert is not harvest. Desert is not multiplication. And we heard recently to do with the wells that, that um, what's his name, um, Isaac was in a, in, in, famine, or lived. there was a famine going on, and God said, don't go to Egypt, stay where you are, and in this place of famine, I'm going to bless you, and he said, sow, sow, so he, he sowed in famine, and that year he, he reaped a hundredfold, there was a harvest, it was a miracle, miraculous thing that took place, and so when we speak about the things we are, we're talking about miracle, miraculous things here, because we are sowing in prayer, sowing with faith, reaching out, all of that into a wilderness, into a famine, if you like, because we want to see God reveal who he is into the famine, into the wilderness to see people's lives transformed. So his glory is revealed. And then finally, we're just going to worship in a moment. Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 21. We're going to read all... all four of these verses, because often we read the first two, but not the second two. It says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Now, we've, we've had quite a bit of that this year in terms of rain, rivers of living water, streams of all of that kind of stuff. And we often quote those two verses that we've just read in meetings, in prayer meetings or in whatever we're doing. But often we don't read the next two as to the, the, the result of what the first two verses do and accomplish and who it's for. It then says, The wild animals, they honour me, and the, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland, to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise so the forgetting the former things don't dwell on the past i'm doing a new thing it springs up do you perceive it i'm making a way in the desert streams in the wasteland for what for the wild animals to honor me the jackals and the owls so you can interpret wild animals jackals and owls in different ways for for society and, and everything out there that doesn't know the lord But he's saying, I'm providing water in the desert, in that wasteland. That's why God is pouring out his spirit now. He's pouring out his spirit for the desert, for the wasteland, for the jackals, for the owls, and for the the wild animals. That is why God is pouring his spirit out now. Why is he talking about wells and overflowing life? Because the overflow is for... All those that are not in it at the moment. All those that don't know him. And so God is, is working in us. And the engine room is hunger to know him. The engine room is desire to know him. The engine room is, I don't just want your presence. I want to know you in your glory. Would you continue to reveal who you are? because I want to live in awe of you. I want to live in a reverence. I want to live with the fear of the Lord, the weightiness of who you are. So I don't want to entertain thoughts even that don't line up with yours. So, do you know what I mean? In your own world, in your own head, in your own life, it's like, God, I don't even want to entertain stuff that is not who you are. Uh, Because if I'm a dwelling place, I want to cultivate this dwelling place to be a place of his nature and his character and his glory. because Why? Because I want him to continue to reveal who he is to me on an ongoing basis, morning by morning, day after day, in that way, to gaze, to be captivated with who he, who he is. Why? Because he wants that revelation, that life, that fullness to be released through our lives into other people's lives. And then just one thing, just to finish, um, some of this stuff I've, I don't know if I've done it here in this context, but this message is the essence of it is, is an old one. But when I was praying about it this morning, I just felt the Lord say, just go through this. It's, it's about hunger, hunger, hunger. And then what does God want to do in relation to revealing who he is? It's not just so that we have a a greater story to tell of how we've encountered God. In his glory, that's important uh, and everything. But then in Hosea, it's uh, it's quite a challenge what God got him to do when we read a couple of verses in the first chapter and in the second chapter. It says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. I mean, you could read that and overlay that with our current culture and society as to how things are and the direction that they are going. And, but in the midst of that, God said to him, Go and take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness. So what does, what does that mean? Uh, God wanted Hosea to to do something prophetic and that would speak to the nation of Israel because they weren't exactly walking with God at that moment. They were worshipping all kinds of idols and, and everything else. And he said, so go and take a, an adulterous wife, somebody that you wouldn't, in the natural want to marry want to make covenant with and and make covenant with her and become one with her and give yourself to her because it was like what God was saying is, what I want to show the Israelites is I want to show them my heart for them so I want you to go and make covenant with a woman that you wouldn't have covenant relationship with and I want you to go and make covenant become one with her because this is my heart for the Israelites I want to show them that I'm not going to reject them not going to leave them not going to uh, turn away from them in that sense and so then he, what did he do he married Gomar, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son then in chapter 3 then the Lord, because what she did, she ended up going off and continuing in her, the lifestyle that she had and in prostitution and everything else she was getting up to. And then the Lord spoke to him again and said, The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites though they turned to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I brought her for 15 shekels of silver. He had to buy his wife back. And about a homer, whatever that is, and a lethek of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will live with you. So he had to go and buy it back. It cost him something. I mean, initially... It might have cost him his reputation. It might have cost him some other, I don't know. if I don't know if Hosea had any mates or I don't know what his, his group of friends and circle of friends was like, I've got no idea. But he was obviously a prophet. He must have been known in that way. And here's a prophet that would be revered, you know, as a man of God in that moment. And he, and he, and he goes and uh, he, he does, he's obedient. He does what the Lord says and he, he finds this lady who is, an adulteress or a prostitute or whatever and and she marries him i mean i don 't know what that said to to the people that knew him uh, in that moment. Uh, she carried on with her lifestyle, but then he had to buy her back and so it might have cost him his reputation i, I don 't know how people read what he was doing and, and everything, but obviously then it cost him money also to to get her back and w- When you look at Jesus, he was misunderstood a lot, wasn't he? He was misunderstood a lot for doing the right thing. And I I believe we need to be prepared to, to be misunderstood or even sometimes misrepresented for doing the right thing. Firstly, for living the right way but also for doing the right things. We'll get misunderstood, we'll get given a hard time. So what, what's God saying to us through this? Well, in the same way that he had to go and make covenant with this, this lady and be married to her, it's like God wants us to have the same heart and approach to people that don't know him, to everything going on around us out there. Uh, because when you, when you make covenant with somebody, you speak well of them. When you make covenant with somebody, you, you say, I'll never, ever leave you and I'll never, ever forsake you. Uh, you when you make covenant with somebody, you, you, you're there for them, first of all, rather than yourself. And so when, when we translate that into our community or the towns where we are, the people we're reaching and all of that, it's like, it's like God saying to us, Will you, will you make covenant? Will you do the same? Will you have the same? Because, it, it, okay, a lot of people out there, they're not Jewish. They're not the Israelites out there. You know, most people are Gentiles. Most people, then, they don't know the Lord. But yet God's love for people that don't know him is exactly the same now as it was in, in what we've just read in Hosea. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he still loves in an unfailing way. The cross is the same for a Jew as it is for a Gentile. You know, every person needs to have the opportunity to respond to the cross and because of what Jesus has done. And so it's, it's, it's like God saying to us, would will will you love the people around you with my love? And will you make covenant with them in the same way that I initiated covenant on the cross to make it possible for people to come into that covenant relationship? Will you do the same? So there's, there's a f- couple of things in here before you all fall asleep. Is, um, one is throne room, hunger, desire, wanting to know him. God, I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. And that ends up spilling out, expressed with love for people, love for those that don't know him. So let's stand up, shall we? Let's stand And uh, we're just going to take a couple of minutes to pray. Thank you, Jesus. We, when we pray and worship at the moment, you can hear the sound. You can hear the hunger that there is. So today's message isn't about. We don't have a hunger and we need one. It's, this, is today, this morning's message is more about putting fuel on that fire that's already going. It's, it's, it's putting more, more fuel to encourage us that we want to know him. We want to know him in his glory. We want to know him. And God is doing that. And there's a hunger that is growing. But the outworking of that is, is how God releases us, sends us, how we see those around us that don't know the Lord, how we see our culture, how we speak about it, how we speak about people, how we pray, because it affects how we pray, doesn't it? I mean, we know we have God's heart for the people we're praying for. We know we have God's heart for our communities and the region, the nation. Um, and I believe God is just saying to us this morning, will you, will, you, will you make covenant in a fresh way with, with the community, with the town here, Horsham or Crawley, Worthing, Burgess Hill, wherever we are, whoever's listening to this message, will you make covenant with the town where you live? Speak well of the place, speak well of the people. We can't pray one thing but then say something else uh, at another time. We want to be consistent because that that love for for those in front of us and the situation we're in is, is real because of God's love in us. So let's just take a couple of moments and just David's initial thing that he's saying here in that first one. There's one thing I ask. This is what I seek morning by morning. Maybe just respond to that Thank God for what he's doing in you, for what he's stirring in you, that hunger, that desire. Maybe just say to Lord God, I want to continue to grow in that. I want to, that hunger to grow, to become stronger as I pursue you, as I go after you. I thank you that you reveal more of who you are. Jesus, I want to know you in your glory. I, I, I want, like Moses said, um, you know, unless you're your presence goes with us how will anybody know that we're different from anybody else and then he went further he said show me your glory because he wanted to know God he just didn't he didn't just want God with him he said God I want to know you in your glory reveal more of who you are show me more of who you are I want to see you I want to see you he said show me your glory show me your glory I want to see you and it's that that desire that God is growing in us at this time. It's like, God, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want the reality of who you are to, to, to be in me in a fresh way. I thank you, Lord. And everything that then flows from that out from the throne room, out into the streets, to our neighbours, in the community, those we're reaching out to, the reality of God's life as he's meeting with us, then flowing out. When we encounter him, his heart gets released in us in a greater measure, a greater way. His heart for people, his heart for what he has a heart for. So when we look at people, we look with love and compassion. In any given moment, we're with people. It's like, Father, I thank you for your love right now for this person. What do you want to say? How do you want me to be? What do you want to do in this moment? Thank you for your love that's being released in me for this person, for this couple, for this family, for this situation. They're all connected, thrown room out to the streets, thrown room out into people's lives. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Father, thank you for that hunger to know you, hunger to know you, hunger to know you. Thank you like that photograph that you'd be the one that is in full focus. And in those moments, everything else will be blurred out because we're so captivated with you, Jesus. So caught up with you, Jesus, that everything else blurs But then when we, not that we go from, because we always, we're always with him in that sense. He's always with us. But then when we, we're going about our daily lives, other things then come into focus. We, be, we see things how he sees them. We see people how he sees them. The things that were blurred because we're so caught up with him, as we then live in that place of intimacy, other things then come into focus so that we see them how he does. We then love in the way that he loves. We speak in the way that he would want to speak. We serve or we do whatever we're doing in how he would, like we're literally his hands and his feet and his mouthpiece, we're his arms, we're his hands in, in those because the things come into focus from his perspective, not just not just ours. So, Father, we want to we be prophetic people in the way that you asked Hosea to live his life. The world looks at the church so often and says, we're bigots, or we're just so- standing on a soapbox. Or they, they assume we're going to say certain things or treat people in certain ways because that's how... Often as Christians we have treated people, we've looked down at them, we've judged people, we've rejected people. Father, we don't want to live in any way, shape or form with that kind of thing. Father, we thank you that you don't condemn and judge people for where they are right now. We know there's going to be a judgment day one day. But up until that point, your mercy is being released all the time. Your mercy, your mercy, your mercy, because you want people to come to know you. You want people to come out of what they're in and into knowing you. And so we thank you, Father, for your heart being released in us in these days in a fresh way. That when we are out and about, when we're doing whatever we're doing day by day, we thank you we do it with your heart. That your heart will be the, things that go- the thing that governs our heart. It's your heart that would be the thing that determines what's going on in our heart, Father. And I thank you that when you look at people, you don't look like it's beyond repair. It's beyond redemption. It's re beyond reconciling. It's beyond uh, healing. It's beyond you working in situations. Thank you, don't look at the world like that. You look and, you, and because of what you've done... You're waiting, the, the world is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed in all of that stuff. And so we thank you that you call us to be those sons and the world is waiting for us to be revealed amongst them or you through us. And so, Father, we, to this morning, we just want to submit afresh to you. And like Hosea, you called us to love in an unfailing way the world around us. And we know it's only your love that can enable that. We can't in our own strength and effort. So Jesus, we thank you for your love being released in us. Maybe there'll be some things that God will speak to each one of us about. So maybe Hosea, that's what he had to do in that situation that showed God's love for the people. Maybe there's some very practical and real things that God will ask us to do and lead us to do in relation to the people that we're reaching out to, praying for, whoever they are in our lives, whether they're family members or friends or or people in our street or wherever we are. Maybe there's some things that that God's going to say to us, say, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, I want you to do the other, or whatever it might be, and that's part of living in this covenant love which people might not be aware of yet as we reach out to them. Sometimes when we have this sort of thing we're thinking, okay God, if I surrender to you you're gonna freak me out. <laughs> you're gonna put me in situations that are gonna oh, I don't know, you know, it's like Father, thank you that you lead and guide. Even if it does mean I'm going to have to take a step of faith and I'm going to have to do something that's going to challenge me a little bit. Father, I'm, I'm available and I thank you that when you speak and I respond, you grace me to act. You grace me for that decision. You grace me then. And it's not as bad as we think it's going to be when we respond to him. The enemy wants to say, oh, he's, God's going to get you to do this, that and the other, you'll hate it, you'll hate it, you'll hate it, you'll fall flat on your face, it'll be rubbish. Because he knows that if we we respond to God, stuff's going to happen. People will get released, lives will get changed. So Father, we thank you for your love. Being released in us and through us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The rain outside... He's like the rain he's releasing of his spirit. It's soaking the ground, soaking the ground, softening the ground, softening the ground. So as the seeds go in, they can take root and they can become a harvest. We thank you, Lord, that your rain is being released and to people we're praying for, the communities we're living in, the towns we're reaching into. Your rain is softening the ground, softening people's hearts, softening lives softening people so that we we don't come across hard, stony, thorny lives. We come across lives that are ready to respond to the gospel, ready to surrender. We thank you, Lord, for the reign of your spirit, the release of your spirit. We thank you for rivers of salvation flowing, rivers of salvation flowing uh, with your life, Father, to redeem, to transform, to heal people. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. 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 One last thing. We're all filled with the Holy Spirit. That means we're full of his power. We are full of his power. And God wants to release his power through each of us. Paul the Apostle in Corinthians says the gospel is... Not just a matter of talk, but of power. And we have that power within. We already have that power. God has already released His power in us. And He, I believe, He's saying to us, "Hey, guys, you can you can just release the the power that is within you into other people's lives." And and it's like it's like I believe the Lord saying, "It's not." It's not down to me as to whether that power is released. It's down to you, whether you want to see that power released. It's down to you to release the power that is within you, my power, my life. So, so in one sense, he's saying that we can see as much power released through us as we want to see in that sense. He's, he's like saying the, the light is already green. I've already given you the go sign. I've already given you the release sign. So, so see that power released that is at work in you. So, Father, we thank you. We praise your name. We thank you, Jesus, that you're moving us from addition to multiplication, blessing to abundance, gleaning to harvest. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for a great release of your glory, great release of that reverence and honour and, and that, that right fear of the Lord, Father, that honouring of who you are. We thank you. that's all connected with the release of your life and power. When Jesus was honoured, wherever he went, there was a release of power. When he wasn't honoured, uh, he could only do a couple of things, a few healings. That's Jesus, the Son of God. So where there was no honour for who he was, they, they took him for granted. Oh, he's just Jesus, he's the carpenter, he's, he's Joseph's boy, he's the carpenter. We know him, he's just a lad that grew up in our village. And where there was no honour, there was no release. And so we want to live in that place of reverence and honour because we want it to be that constant release of his life and power. We want to honour one another, honour who we are in God, honour one another. And there's that release of of his power amongst us and through us. So we praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We praise your name. Praise your name, praise your name, praise your name. Father, we just pray for everybody in the church as they go about their day in their workplace with the kids at home, dropping at school or whatever's going on today. People meeting up, having coffee, small groups meeting, uh, freedom groups meeting. Whatever's going on today in the life of the church, prayer happening uh, people coming into the building this morning at little builders. Father, we thank you for your presence we, being amongst the people we thank you it, at little builders, which on one so because of what goes on we, we wouldn 't say well it 's a meeting kind of environment where your glory is going to get revealed, but yet, Father, we know. You can reveal who you are, Father, to people through a conversation in a particular moment. You can work in people's hearts and lives. You can grab their attention in different ways. And we thank you that you're at work. Father, everybody involved this morning in the Little Builders Small Group, anybody from here going down to help serve and and connect with people. And, and, And Father, we thank you for your life and your power flowing there today, Father. We thank you. We praise your name for what you're doing, but we know there's more. We thank you. We stretch into the the more of who you are, the more of what you're releasing. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name, your mighty name, your awesome name, your great name, your saving name, your healing name. We thank you that you're working Child Contact Center today. We thank you that you're at work in Streetlight today. We thank you that you're at work through all of our lives today, in every place that we're going to. We praise your name. Father, we thank you for every partner in church. We thank you for every partner in leader. We thank you for every partner out there. We thank you for every person today, this week, as they're living how you've called them to live, as they're doing what you've called them to do. Father, we speak your life and your goodness and your blessing over every person. Father, we thank you as we move together, Father, in this nation. We thank you that we're going to see the tide turning. We're going to see the tide turning. We're going to see you move in such powerful ways that even if we even if uh, you told us we wouldn't even believe it, Father, like you say in your word. So we thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. We praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Just thank him for his love for you. Thank Him that his love is unfailing. Everlasting. Thank you, Jesus. And that love's released through you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.